today on Behind the Spacebar, we're taking a look back at one of my favorite episodes from this year, and I am sharing some brand new thoughts. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Spacebar. This is the podcast for musicians, music directors, playback techs, really anyone that's performing live on stage with Able to Live. We have reached it, uh, the end of the year. It's crazy. At the time of recording this, there'll be more episodes by the time this goes live, but at the time of recording this, we have 40 episodes of Behind the Space Fire that have been released. So uh, we've released an episode almost every single week this year. Uh, we've taken a few weeks off, but I'm doing something different, something special for the end of the year. We're gonna be recapping and replaying uh, previous episodes of the podcast, but this is not a just simple like highlights real thing and that's it. What we're gonna do is I'm gonna play the previous episode. Then at the end of that, I'm gonna come back and share some thoughts of uh, how I feel almost a year later. Uh, almost 50 some odd weeks later after recording this, because a lot of time has passed, particularly with this episode. This was episode two, January 10th. So almost a year ago at the time of me recording this. Um, this is episode two, and it's all about this phrase, humbly confident, humbly curious. This is kind of the unofficial motto of From Studio to Stage. And after going a year of recording this, I've feel stronger about this than I did when I even recorded it, about how incredibly important this is. So let's dive into this episode together. Make sure to stick around because at the end, again, I'm gonna come back and share some fresh brand new thoughts that you've never heard before. So let's dive in. This week we're talking about um, something that I've become very passionate about. Uh, let me tell you kind of the origin story of this. So I, I think most people listening are familiar. The name of the, the podcast is Behind the Space Bar, but the company that produces the content is called From Studio Stage. So um, this is the site. I'll include the link in the the uh, show notes of this if you've actually never been to the site. I guess there is a good possibility that you're you're watching this um, and you uh, don't even know what From Studio Stage is. I guess there's a, a possibility uh, of that. Uh, or maybe you saw me when I was at Multitracks uh, working there, uh, or you've seen my content on YouTube, but you're not really familiar with uh, with what From Studio to Stage is. And this is not an ad, although it could be an ad because I'm in charge and I can do whatever I want. But uh, From Studio to Stage is a subscription platform. Uh, it's a community where people can subscribe, uh, free tutorials, which this is kind of part of that, free tutorials, podcasts, free resources, in-depth courses. Okay. That's it. This is not an ad, I promise. <clears throat> but the reason I bring this up is I started from CDO to stage and I started to see this trend with people to where I would get people that would subscribe, um, people that I, I knew I had some history with. And, uh, and then I would see the, the, the people, it felt like the people were kind of splitting into two different categories and some people would cancel and that's fine. I understand there's certain, um, certain things of my friends that they've created, uh, that I've subscribed and canceled. So it's not like a, it's not like a hard feelings kind of thing, but, um, I would have some people that would cancel. I'd have some people that would stick for around for a very long time. Uh, Doug laws. He's a guy that from literally the first week I started the company, uh, and launched from studio to stage at the time of recording this three years ago. Uh, he's been subscribed every day since, right? Uh, um, Doug's been around forever. So I started to look at people like Doug, um, people that uh, I knew that I at least had a little bit of history with that had canceled and went, well, what's the difference between these two types of people? I would look at people that are super advanced users that are uh, playback techs that are out on the road with major artists that are part of the community and uh and people that are paying their own money uh, i'm not saying like comp subscriptions i'm saying people that are paying their own money 
And I would go, okay, this guy is a world-class playback engineer. They're subscribed. They're paying their own money. They're sticking around. And then there's this person that uh, they, they're, they're good. They're, they're knowledgeable. They know what they're doing. They canceled. Like, is, the, is there a difference there? I should mention, should mention too, part of uh, Behind the Space Bar. It's a chill environment here. So if you got a cup of coffee, grab a cup of coffee. Enjoy it wherever your coffee's from. Um, leave me a comment. Let me know what, what you're drinking this morning or at night or whenever you're watching this. I mean, I guess you could be watching this. It doesn't have to be Monday morning. You could be watching, listening, whatever. But the point is, I digress. This is not a coffee show. I started looking at all the different subscribers, different people that, that uh, had signed up. And I was trying to figure out the people that stick around, is there a common trait to them? Is there something about them that I could say, okay, these are the type of people that I need to get subscribed because they're going to be the people that stick, right? And when you look at a business, you you try to reduce a subscription business. You try to reduce what's called churn, which is people canceling. And you try to build an audience and get them to down a lead, download a lead gen, something that's free. Uh, and then from there, you you know, hopefully they purchase something that maybe eventually subscribe or whatever. But the goal in all that is, you could go, uh, it's called creating a sales funnel or retention funnel or whatever you want to call it, but it's this kind of idea of a funnel. And um, you want to get as many people as you can into the top of the funnel. But the trick is it's not just any type of people. You want to find the right type of people to get in the funnel that goes through. Uh, I tell this story, uh, I promise I'm getting to the point of uh, today's episode. But over Christmas break, Obviously, the kids are out of school. My son, uh, who turned nine um, over the holidays, uh, went outside and had a cardboard sign that said, uh, subscribe to From Studio to Stage, honk if you're already a subscriber. And I don't know if it's because he was watching you know, a lot of Mr. Beast or something, or he just felt inclined to try to help dad uh, grow his YouTube subscriber count. But I thought it was super sweet. But I was trying to explain to him that um, you know, it's great that he's doing that. But I don't necessarily need people that are driving through my neighborhood to be subscribers. I need people that are musicians, playback techs, worship leaders, that sort of thing. It's the right type of people. So anyway, I really started trying to figure out what are the type of people, the right type of people? What, what are the, the, the audience that I should be going after? Um, and I, I saw in some people, they had the strength, some people they didn't. And when I boiled this down to this phrase, I kind of came up with and it's stuck and it's been kind of an unofficial motto from studio to stage is humbly confident humbly curious, humbly confident, humbly curious. You can probably kind of pick up already what all that means and, and how it makes sense and those sorts of things. But um, what um, it's become more than an unofficial motto for me. I think it's something for me that has really become a very encouraging thing and something where I see a tendency in myself to do uh, certain things to, to tend to, we'll talk about this in a second. Uh, I can tend to be a dinosaur and get, you know, stuck in my ways and, and stuck in <clears throat> my way of doing things. And this has become a phrase that helps snap me out of that. It helps remind me and let me know, like, um, always be looking for something new. So let's, what I want to do in today's episode, um, we're finally getting into this about eight minutes into the episode is I, I want to break down those two things and talk about why I think it's important, particularly if you're a playback tech on the road, a musician out on the road, um, a worship leader at a church, music director at a church, wherever, wherever you are, whatever type of venue you're in, whatever type of music, uh, doesn't matter. Uh, I think this is really important. Um, let's talk about the first part, humbly confident. Um, if you're going to be on the road, if someone's going to hire you to be a playback tech, they need to have confidence that you know what you're doing. 
And for you to know what you're doing, you've got to have confidence in your setup. So what you don't want to do is go out on the road and take out a brand new Mac, uh, Mac mini M one, uh, the first week after it's released, go out with Ableton live 11 suite. The first week it's, it's released, uh, and run both of those and stand on stage with new firmware on your interface. Um, that's not officially supported by the manufacturer and stand out there and press play and just kind of cross your fingers and hope that things work well, right? That's not something we should do if we're stepping on stage, no matter, again, whatever venue, whatever role you're playing, um, that's not how we should approach things. So we have to have a bit of confidence. We have to have confidence in our workflow. We have to have confidence in our gear, gear that's uh, been proven, gear that's roadworthy. Uh, we have to have confidence in our process. Like we know we've done this enough. We know that this is going to work. Or if, if we don't know this is going to work, we're sitting underneath a teacher or the teaching of someone that is telling us this works, right? Uh, I have a lot of subscribers, uh, a lot of students that, that are just getting started with tracks and they don't have the confidence that this is going um, that, that their process is going to work, but they have the confidence that the training that they're getting, the process they're learning, the workflow they're learning, they have confidence that that works. Right. So when you get on, on stage, you have to have a, a bit of, uh, you have to have confidence that what you're doing is going to work. You have to have confidence that what you're doing is a somewhat proven process and, uh, it's, you're not trying stuff completely brand new. You're not crossing your fingers and hoping that things work. Like you've got to have confidence that things work. But I, but I think paired with that is, is humble confidence. Um, it's an acknowledgement that what I'm doing works, what I'm doing, uh, has been proven. Um, the gear I have has been proven. Um, the process I use is quick, efficient, stable, flexible. Um, but there's a sense of humility that um, there might be a better way, all right? And so humble confidence is one. You've got to process a method a way that, that works. The second bit of this, though, is humble curiosity. And that's pairing that confidence with, I've got to process a, a, a way, a means uh, of things working um, and, and a way that I know that things are going to work and are going to work out and uh, it's a good process. But um, at the same time, I'm questioning and going, is there a better way? Is there um, a more efficient process? Is there a better way to do this that gives me more freedom and flexibility? Uh, the same time that I have a process that I know that works, and I'm humbly confident in that, I'm also at the same time curious, is there a better way? Uh, a new plugin comes out. I'm, I'm questioning, I'm wondering, huh, I wonder if this plugin is gonna work well for me. A new MIDI controller comes out. Uh, I'm questioning, I'm wondering, hey, is this MIDI controller the, the best possible MIDI controller for me? Is this what I should be using? Um, uh, I have a MIDI controller that I love. It works really, really well. I'm super confident in that. I've used it for years, but something new comes out. I don't immediately go, oh, get away from me. This is scary. This is new. This is unproven. This is whatever. Uh, no, I welcome it. I encourage it. Um, I see this in my friend, Mike McKnight and Mike is, is the godfather, the grandfather, whatever you want to call it. I like godfather a little better of playback. Um, the first episode of Behind the Space Bar when we did uh, the more kind of narrative driven stuff, the stuff that burnt burnt me out because it took so long to do. 
Um, Mike kind of told the story of how he's been accused of, of creating uh, playback and inventing playback. And he says, no, I, I didn't do that, but I have been doing it for quite a while. Anyway, Mike is a guy that I constantly and consistently see him um, trying new things out. I see him as someone who knows his rig, knows his gear, um, but he's trying out new software. He's trying out new uh, MIDI controllers. He's trying out new audio interfaces. He's trying out new process. And he's not so afraid of the new that he stays in his 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 way his lane uh a term i mentioned this earlier a term my friend doug used to always use uh, or phrase is he would say don't become a dinosaur and what he meant by that is just someone who and i want to be very clear on this um this is not a ageism thing this is not a thing that says becoming a dinosaur is being an 80 year old person that's doing playback that's not what i mean by this a dinosaur is someone who stays put. They are stuck in their ways. They cannot be changed. They cannot try new things. Uh, this is the way to do it. This is the best way. And they cannot be convinced of, of anything else. Um, don't become a dinosaur. And the way you, you, you don't become a dinosaur is, I think, one, again, you've got to be confident that your way works. You've got to have confidence that when you press play, things are going to function the way they're supposed to. But the way you don't become a dinosaur is when something new comes out, you go, Huh, let me investigate that. You don't immediately shun it and 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 push it away because it's brand new and it's not what you use and it's not what you're used to. No, 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 that's that's not at all what we do. Something new comes out and we look at that something new and we go, huh. I wonder how that could be integrated into my setup. Something new comes out and you go, well, I am using this MIDI controller. I wonder what that MIDI controller would let me do. And now maybe you're in a, a situation financially where you're able to go and buy that. Uh, today, I saw an email actually for a company that released a, a MIDI controller. And again, um, a new MIDI controller, a new version of an existing MIDI controller, maybe is a better way to do that. And again, my my tendency, um, this phrase, humbly confident, humbly curious, really drives home, rings home for me because I can tend to be a dinosaur. I can tend to be stuck in my ways. And I saw this email and they were mentioning this new feature of the MIDI controller. And I thought, that's stupid. No one would ever use that. Like, that's a terrible idea, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of caught myself because I knew today I was going to be recording this episode. And uh, it kind of hit me. It kind of hit home that it's like, I'm being a dinosaur right now. I'm not following this right now. And so I want to go back and look at that MIDI controller and go, okay, I can see from experience why this new feature it's potentially a bad idea. I could see the situations and scenarios where this cannot work well for people in live performance, people in a worship service. I understand that. But does this new thing open up some cool possibilities? And and thinking of the, the MIDI controller, yeah, I could see how that could open up some neat and cool possibilities. And so what I'm trying to get at here is, um, again, when I look at subscribers that have stuck subscribers that have been around for a while, subscribers that, um, whether they're brand new or they're pros doing playback or whatever they're doing, musicians, playback text, whatever it is. When I look at them and the people that stick, it's because they embody humbly confident, humbly curious one. They are confident in their process. They're confident. They have a, a method, a way that works, but they're constantly asking, is there a better way? Is there a better tool? Is there a more efficient tool? Is there a more efficient process and a way to do this? Um, I'll, I'll kind of end wrap up the pod with, uh, again, I mentioned last week pod is the cool term. I don't know if you knew that or not cool term for podcast. But I'll wrap up the pod this week with um, a bit of kind of my history and why I I've, am um, really attracted to this phrase and why I have to be careful. Um, 
when I started getting into Ableton Live and running tracks, became an Ableton Live certified trainer, and I was doing this primarily in the kind of houses of worship, uh, church, fancy way to say church, this marketing speak for a, a church market for worship leaders. And so um, I was running tracks then, and the way I was running tracks is in session view, and I would um, uh, create stems. And actually, people, a lot of people weren't really using stems and multitracks then because uh, they weren't easily and readily available. So multitracks.com was um, was uh, called Interactive Worship Live back then, if you if you remember those days. Loop Community was a free forum to upload uh, content to. Uh, BWAX forum was a big place where everyone went. Most people weren't using stems and multitracks. They were rendering like MP3s, right? Just to give you a sense of uh, when this was. So this was uh, 2004, 2000, probably 2002 to 2004. So I went to college 2004, uh, graduated 2008. Um, but around that time, um, you know, I, I believe 2010, something like that, I became a certified trainer. I can't remember the date exactly. I need to look. About 12 years. That was 2020. I got the thing here. The certificate says 2013, but it was before that. My twins were born in 2012. Yeah, I think it was 2010. Anyway, um, became a certified trainer. I had this process down. I was running tracks in session view. And uh, I went around kind of preaching the gospel of running tracks in session view. And I was really confident and really like, this is the way to do it. There's no other way to do this. My way is the right way. Um, and then I ran into a guy, uh, the guy who started um, Interactive Worship Live, which became Multitracks. And he was teaching running tracks in a range of view. And I thought, this makes no sense. A range of view is not built for this. And then um, I went to a conference and uh, that guy was kind enough and humble enough to let me teach the conference alongside of him. And in doing that, I, I kind of saw a couple of things he was doing and I went, Oh, that's really interesting. And I started to go from blocking out a potentially other way of doing things because of my insecurity started blocking out all the, you could definitely not do this. And I started going, Oh, I wonder that that would be interesting. Actually, if I did tracks and arrange it, you, then I could do this. I could do that. And ended up and landed obviously eventually at that company, multi-tracks and was there for a while. And, um, in through that process and in that transition, I started running tracks and arrange it view. And I remember one time when, uh, multi-tracks bought my company at the time that I had started and I sent out a press release and I saw someone say like, uh, a guy email in and say, uh, you know, you, you, you've changed your ways. You're, you're using a range of you now. And it's all because multi-tracks forced you to and blah, blah, blah. And told you, and, I, and I'm like, bro, you are like, I mean, he was a conspiracy theorist before being a conspiracy theorist was cool. And I don't remember who the guy was, but the reason I had switched was not because some company that uh, acquired my company and that I started working for forced me to, I switched because I realized it was a better way to do it. And so um, if I had stayed very, no, this is the way to do it, then, um, I would be stuck. I would be wasting, still wasting tons and tons of time as opposed to going, huh, I think there's a better, easier way to do this. So I, I share that story to say, you know, now I feel like I have the right way to do this. So, but as I'm teaching people to run tracks in arrangement view and why I think that's better most of the time than running tracks in session view, I'm also at the same time constantly going, is there a better way? Is there a better tool? Is there a better resource for doing this? Uh, plugins like Setlist, uh, Taz, um, Ableset come out and I don't want to look at them and go, no, get away from me. Get behind me, Satan. 
Uh, I'm not going to use this plugin. I'm, I'm, I'm a purist. You know, I have my process. I'm constantly going to look at those and evaluate those and see how they fit and go for me in particular, this doesn't work well, or this works well, or this thing is good. This thing isn't good. Um, I'm going to constantly be looking at those now and going, is there a better way to integrate them? So here's where I want to wrap up with, uh, for today. Um, look at this in your particular context, no matter where you are, as you're listening to this as a playback tech on the road, as an, uh, artist, as a, um, um, hired gun in a band, um, whatever way you are, look at your current process and go, am I confident in my process? And if not share that up, figure out what that is, right? Cause if you're going to be on the road, if you're going to be paid to do things, you've got to be confident. You've got to have a good process, a good workflow. Uh, but then two, Ask yourself, is there a better way? Are there better tools for me to do my job? Is there a better process for me to get this done? And explore that. Now, don't go immediately change your process. Don't immediately change things. Like uh, it's really hard for my friends that are out on the road to implement new tools and, and new um, uh, things. And that's good for them because you need something that's consistent. But when you get that break, uh, take some time and explore it. Explore it while you're out on the road. Maybe don't implement it till the next tour or the next time you get a chance to do a rehearsal or the next time you get a substantial weekend off or a week off or whatever it is. Um, uh, but start exploring. Start asking, is there a better way to do this? Uh, and I think we can apply this in our lives in a lot of different ways. Like hold hold um, strong to the things that you hold to be, you know, that you see as truth, as values, as things you live by. But be open-minded enough to go, what if I'm wrong? Like, what would happen if I was wrong? And honestly, man, the way I think about it, as I'm thinking about it now, it's like, I think we would maybe be in a different, a bit of a different world if we applied this in all of our life, right? All of life right now is two camps. You're pro, you're, you're against this. You're um, anti, you're for. You know, it's like there, there's these two kind of divisions. And I think um, uh, both sides are typically arguing the same thing, coming at different points. And if we could be humbly confident in, in what we believe to be the truth, but humbly curious to go, uh, what really is the truth? Is there a better way for us to do this? Um, then um, maybe things would be better. Now, I don't want to end every podcast preachy, being preachy like that. And I didn't intend to go there. But just as I was thinking, I'm like, man, this, this, applies and this is more than uh and bigger than just software and tracks and that sort of thing but anyway um look at your life look at your process go is there a way that i could be more humbly confident humbly curious in it okay so i hope you enjoyed that episode um again as i said in the beginning i believe that humbly confident humbly curious is more important than i did january 10th when i recorded this um these episodes are sometimes weird to record because sometimes it feels very preachy. It feels very much like um, me yelling at you or me, not necessarily yelling, but me kind of like, hey, I've got this figured out and let me share some reasons why I'm much better than you. And this is one for me that I have to to um, uh, hold true and remember, you know, almost all the time. Uh, humbly confident, humbly curious. Um, I tend to be a little more heavy on the humbly curious part, uh, humbly confident part of it. And I was reminded this year, I need to be a little more on the humbly curious part. Um, I, I tend to be really confident in my process, the ways I've done things. And that doesn't come from arrogance. That doesn't come from um, uh, pride. It comes from doing this for a very long time, developing processes, developing um, things that I know work that have made a difference for people, but I get really, really stuck in, this is the way it is. Um, 
sometimes it just comes from laziness. Sometimes it comes from like, I'm just running with stuff. I'm doing stuff. Um, but I have found, uh, in fact, as I'm recording this, I'm about to head to Nashville in a couple days for two live events I'm doing playback for. And as I'm diving into this content, one of which is crazy with time signature changes, tempo changes, all sorts of things. One that's a little more straight ahead pop stuff. But as I'm diving into both of these, uh, I'm rediscovering like, oh, this is what the art of playback really means. And the art of playback, we'll talk about that later, 2023. Uh, I don't want to give that away now, but um, I'm just reminded of these skills that really matter. And I'm reminded of, I'm even going through, I mean, this is very, very at the micro level. I'm going through how I've created foundations for live. I'm going through how I created the guide cue player. And I'm rethinking a lot of things because I'm reusing this again and I'm going, you know, I'm in a new context. Does this still make sense? Is there a better way to do this? I really, gosh, I really think this is super important. Again, if you're going to be a playback tech, if you're going to be anyone that's employed out on the road, running tracks, using Ableton, you have to be confident in your process. But please, please, please ask the question, is there a better way? Ask the question, why? I see this so much, particularly on, I pick on people, YouTube comments all the time, but I do it because a lot of times the people that are the most outspoken are the least experienced. A lot of times the people that are most outspoken are the people that are really set in their ways and they're unwilling to ask, is there a better way? And that was me. And again, I'm not, I'm not like doing this episode and I'm not saying this because I'm saying, oh, you people that are idiots because you ask questions and leave comments on YouTube versus me and the, my ivory tower and I've got everything figured out. I'm saying this because I was the person that arms folded for many, many years, there my way was the only way and there's no better way. And I promise you, I'm constantly, I struggle with this, but I'm constantly forcing myself into, is there a better way? And sometimes I go, yes, there is. And I have to tweak and I have to change that and I have to adapt that. And then sometimes I go, no, the process I have is good. But I, I'm telling you, the people that um, I look up to and the people that have been doing this for the while, uh, a while and people that are still successful at it, they are humbly confident and they are humbly curious. Now, if you wanna join the tribe that I spoke about in this episode that uh, embodies humbly confident, humbly curious, then head to from studiostage.com slash subscribe. We're ending the year up here strong. Um, uh, sign up. You can develop your skills in Ableton as a playback tech. You'll develop skills that'll help you get and keep the gig. Either move from maybe just being a guitar player to also being a playback tech, maybe moving from being a drum tech to being a, uh, a playback tech as well too, or maybe you're even an artist and you wanna take your songs from the studio to the stage. You'll learn the skills and the knowledge and everything you need to know at From Studio to Stage by subscribing. You'll see all the courses, all the content we have, and most of all, the incredible community. So again, from studiostage.com slash subscribe. And if you haven't yet, over on YouTube, make sure to hit the subscribe button, enable the bell icon so you see when we go live. And if you're listening over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a rating and review. Give us a thumbs up, whatever you do in those places. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to join me next week. We're gonna do another one of these and I'll be back with some brand new, fresh thoughts that you've never heard before. Take care, everybody. See you next Monday. Bye.